Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 450, and it's a bonus Friday episode, and it's a really important one. I've titled it Accountability in Activism, because that's kind of the topic. My guest this week is the amazing Lisa Simpson, the the mother of Richard Risher, who was shot and killed by LAPD officers at the age of 18. And that murder was one of the things that really pushed the Black Lives Matter movement to the the levels that we've seen it to grow to. And you may have seen in the news recently, I mean, we recorded this a few weeks back, but since we recorded this, we recorded it about a month ago now, but since recording, there's been articles in all the major news outlets, like The Guardian all over the place, about the facts or questions over how the founders of Black Lives Matter, the organisation, have been spending the money. And there's been big question marks over that with like $8 million mansions being bought and stuff like that. And Lisa is someone who's been rallying against this for some time now, because as you'll hear as we speak, she feels that she's been very much mistreated, that her son's death has been exploited. And man, is it a delicate subject, particularly for a white male in England, you know. I'm so detached from it, but that doesn't mean you have to sit these discussions out or these fights out. I had Patrice Kalurs, one of the people who are are coming into questioning all of this, on the podcast, when Black Lives Matter were, were, were blowing up and doing amazing things. I want to highlight that this is a nuanced situation. There's been amazing things done, but Black Lives Matter, the movement, I still very much support. The sentiment, obviously, I support, but the movement, I support. But maybe some areas of the organisation need further scrutiny. And as said, I felt, if nothing else, I gave Patrice Couleurs a platform. I need to give voices like Lisa Simpson a platform who aren't getting book deals, aren't getting Netflix deals, aren't getting on TV all the time to tell their story. As an independent podcast and an independent platform, yeah, I kind of felt a responsibility to to hand this platform over to people who are feeling that they've, they've had injustices done against them. I want to give thanks to Thunderbird G- Gerard for hooking this up, for introducing me to Miss, to Miss Simpson. Um, and arranging this conversation apologies in advance we had to do this over zoom the in-room recording didn't work so the quality isn't our usual standard but it maintains you know thankfully we had a good signal and miss simpson's passion comes across comfortably and again i wanted to i needed to ride that appropriately you know because i want to unpick this Fuck the podcast. Podcast aside, I want to kind of figure this all out in my head. Because as we discuss in this, there's people I would consider enemies of what I believe in who will be wanting Black Lives Matter pulled down, dragged to the ground. The kind of accusations of them being a violent, dangerous movement. Uh, I don't stand with those accusations. I think violence is often understandable, sometimes necessary. Always a last choice, but not necessarily not on the list. 
you know. So anyway, I'm getting into this too much now. I want you to, I want Lisa to tell her story. And I want to know what you guys think, I guess. Or at least I want you to, to listen to what Lisa has to say. Yeah, it's a big, a big subject. So let's, let's just get into it. And then we'll have a little outro and kind of think at the end. And yeah, this is episode 450 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Lisa Simpson demanding accountability in activism. Right, I'm joined today by Lisa Simpson. How are you today? Doing okay. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a weird few years for everyone, right? How have you been holding up in these in these more than unusual times? Man, I'm trying, trying to hold up. It's just so much going on. Yeah. It's so much going on. So, you know, I'm trying to keep a level head. It's so much going on with my son case. So yeah. I'm just trying to keep a level head. It's these people, some these some weird people. Yeah. Well, let's talk about all that because I want to discuss your your issues that you've had with the Black Lives Matter organization, specifically as well with a previous guest on this podcast, uh, Patrice Coulouse. But to get there, I guess I need you to kind of lead us on your journey a little bit. So could you tell me a little about your son, R- Richard, about the tragedy that occurred at the hands of the LAPD? Okay, on uh, July 25th, 2016... Um, I got a phone call by one of their peers and said that the police had killed my son. Uh, at the time, I lived 88 miles away from Los Angeles. I drove down to the city. Uh, they made me stand outside from 1 o'clock in the morning to almost 11 before they even let me see uh, from my son's chin to his forehead to identify his body. I did my first march uh, two days after my son was assassinated. And then about five days after that, I did my second march, and that's when I met Black Lives Matter. I had uh, 25 family members and friends. We marched on downtown Los Angeles, and uh, Black Lives Matter was uh, holding their 49th day encampment, and some of the members came down there to help me fight against the police. So then I started going down there with them because I thought it was a good entity that was really going to help the people. I slept on the streets with these people. With Melina Abdullah, uh, one morning, uh, she had called a circle on me and she said that I made them look like terrorists and that I had to, if I wanted to continue to fight the fight that I was fighting for my dead son, that I would have to take the Black Lives Matter shirt off and move down the streets. And any Black Lives Matter members that would want to fight the way I'm fighting, they also had to take their shirts off and move down the streets. So uh, one of the ladies that was out there named Shella, she knows Patrice Cullors personally, so she called her on the phone and told her what had happened, but it was nothing done about it. So um, she stepped down from the encampment, and I just stopped messing with them. I found out about the money two years uh, later. They had did an interview with uh, me about my son. They had uh, Jill Stein, the Green Party president candidate, fly out from Philly to Los Angeles to fake stand in solidarity with me about the death of my son. Uh, my son was buried in, uh, dead and buried in the wall 19 days before I did this interview. But Melina Abdullah, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, I have a video. She got on there asking people for five, ten, or five thousand dollars that no mother should have to bury the burden of burying their kid. But my son was already dead and buried in the wall, so I didn't need their help. 
Uh, they reciprocated a whole bunch of benefits off the name of my son, but I never reciprocated. Patrice Cullors, you know, she went around last year on all these uh, uh, interviews telling people that she accessible. She's not accessible. She's not even from the city where I'm from. She's from the Valley. Mm-hmm. I've been living in Los Angeles, California for 53 years. I've never seen this lady not one time. I tried to talk to these people. They had at the time when I tried to have a Zoom meeting with them, I had Samiria Rice on the phone with me, Tamiria Rice, mom, and uh, one of the Black Panther Cubs as my witness. And at the time they had raised $2.6 million and they asked me, what did I want them to do with the money? And I said, at the time it was 684 families in Los Angeles, California. I told them I felt like they should divide the money between the families. And they told me, no, they wasn't going to do that because they hadn't had an agenda for this money yet. So all I asked them for in the beginning, I asked them for 5000 for what they asked for and 5000 for the disrespect. Uh, Melina Abdullah, in turn, had one of her interns call me back a week later, said they weren't giving me anything. These people have uh, fought me in public. I went out there to ask Melina why she lying on me to all these people. And I said the F word and all their little comrades, they rushed me downtown Los Angeles. Uh, they have had, Melina Adula has had guys physically put their hands on me, the African Town Coalition. They are a gang. You know what I'm saying? They not no entity where they trying to help people. They using all the people. They sit up here. First, they said they was Marxist. Then they went for Marxist. Now they womanist. No, I can tell you exactly what y'all are. Y'all crooks. I didn't ask y'all for no help. I didn't even need y'all help. But y'all not only robbed me, y'all robbed the people. Y'all robbing all the families and y'all think y'all getting away with it. It's sad that we are losing our children, our men, our women, and our loved ones. And this entity feels that it's necessary that they're supposed to reciprocate all the benefits off the death of our loved one. They're not trying to uh, help nobody. These ladies raised $528 million the year that George Floyd and Breonna Taylor got assassinated. And I just feel like it shouldn't be no homeless people right now. It shouldn't be no hungry people. Uh, Warner Brothers, Comcast Cable, and Sony Records, all three of them entities in 2020, they all donated $100 million apiece. So that's $300 million right off the gate. And they keep talking about this $90 million because that's what they want people to believe. But they actually raised $528 million 2020. And they funded the money through their own friends. Like everybody that they gave they, the money to was people that they had their hand already and they took the job. So it's just like, I don't understand how this lady Patrice Peller wiggles and whines all over the country and tell these fabricated stories that she for the people and she's not. She's using the people. I've never talked to this lady. They have did uh, town hall meetings on me, calling me fools. They had a, a town hall meeting when Patrice Cullors stepped down. One of the co-founders told Patrice Cullors she was glad she was stepping down so she can sick her dogs loose on me and that she has stabbed somebody for me. Uh, this lady named Otama, she was on the thing. They were supposed to be the interns for Black Lives Matter when Patrice Cullors stepped down. Mm-hmm. She was on the uh, Zoom. She was like, yeah, I got the fool. So I hit her the next day and I said, my mom named me Lisa Simpson, who was fool. She said, oh, no, you got it wrong. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about the people that's going after Black Lives Matter. I said, well, I'll be here. I'm the person that's going after Black Lives Matter. They're not a good entity. They was never a good entity when they came in. They have a hidden agenda. They endorse the cops. Uh, Malina Abdullah from the Black Lives Matter chapter, Patrice uh, Right Wing. They endorsed George Gascon, the BIDA of Los Angeles, California, when this used to be our assistant chief of police. So we never going to see what justice looked like in California because of this entity. 
Um, yeah. My lawyer stepped down on my case last year because of Melina Abdullah. She felt the need to speak with my attorney and it was a conflict of interest. So he stepped down off my case. Right now, I don't have an attorney. I'm out here lingering. Uh, they just dropped my case. My son case uh, the other day with prejudice where I can't file on these characters no more. I mean, I'm just going through so much because of Black Lives Matter. I've never, you know, you would think that the police is trying to stop me from getting justice for my son, but not an entity. And this is what they do out here to us. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a hugely traumatic event in and of itself without everything that's come afterwards. Can can I to try and get my head around all of it? Can I ask what it was that they initially objected to about the way in which you were protesting and trying to get justice that they said, oh, we don't want you to be like, you need to take off the shirt and so on and so forth? Uh, Because uh, I'm a real rider. I'm a ride or die for my children. You feel me? And uh, everybody that was coming out of City Hall, I was banging on them. Y'all going to work every day and y'all know they killing us out here. I didn't know at the time that Melina Abdullah had been employed for City Hall for over 21 years. Right. So it was like she felt like I was attacking her so-called buddies that was working for the City Hall. Yeah. So they didn't like that I was woke. I was woke when my son first got killed. So I started seeing things and I started pointing out different things while I was out there sleeping with these people. You feel me? They had, you know, they made the world think that it was activists that was out there sleeping with them at that 49th day encampment. I'm a witness. I slept on the streets and I don't sleep on the streets, sir. Them were homeless people that they were using and building them up to make them, uh, the people think that they were uh, activists. There were no activists. Them were homeless people. The 49th day encampment, so everybody will know because people really think like she did some major stuff. This lady worked for City Hall for 21 years. It was a cop there every night watching us for 49 days. They had a wow. tent out there, out there on the streets. Patrice Colors, let's get it straight. She never slept out there. Not one day that I was out there. I've never seen her in the city of Los Angeles. I've never seen her sleep on the streets at the 49th day encampment. She never showed her face one time. And they had a tent out there that it was a lot of youth that it came from different places of the world that wanted to be down with Black Lives Matter because they thought that they were a good entity. They had a tent out there that you could have that had every drug that you could think about. Some of these children had to go back to their hometowns because they was strung out on cocaine, crystal meth, heroin, whatever drug you could think of, Black Lives Matter had it down there at that 49th day encampment. So I learned that they like to keep the youth high so they could control them. Do you think, I mean, as you said, it, at first it seemed well-intentioned until you saw more. I think one of the complexities, particularly at that time, of Black Lives Matter as a movement was the mixture of a movement and an entity, if you know what I mean. Like, people are like yourselves who are, are rightfully passionate for justice were becoming part of this, but part of the movement, but not necessarily part of the entity. So... Is there kind of a blurred line in all of that with with, with who's who within this this whole thing? Yeah, because see, when you say Black Lives Matter, a lot of people don't know that they mess up your trials. When you go to court, they ask the jurors, how have they ever protested with Black Lives Matter? If they have, they can't be on your case. And it it'd have been, see, they could have made a beautiful thing out of this. But when you greedy, when greed is your middle name and you got your hand in a cookie jar and see, when you don't have anything and you ain't never had nothing before and then you get something, you don't know how to control it. See, they didn't know how to control it. All that money got to start coming in. And they had never had that type of money come in ever since they had started uh, Black Lives Matter. 
So I feel like after my son's death is when the money started coming in for him. It started flowing little by little. Then my son died and they had uh, people come out here and stand in solidarity with me, false flagging. The money started coming in. And then when once the money started coming in, they got overwhelmed with it. You know, oh, we can get paid off of this. Oh, well, we're going we gonna to do this. We're going to do it like this. And, and we're going to look out for our own people and nobody else. I'm not the only family in Los Angeles that they robbed. I'm the fifth family, actually. I'm just the first family that was never scared to speak out about the wrongdoing that Black Lives Matter did to me. Because I feel like it's unfair that y'all out here, we already losing our kids to this entity, to the police. Mm. And then y'all robbing us after the police kill our kid. Like, where did y'all come from? How was y'all raised? What kind of compassion do y'all really have? Because you're dealing with women that's heartless, women that are still from children that's not even here no more to make sure that their children are safe. That's crazy mm. to me. Yeah. And, and I think the bit that struck me of, of of your story in particular that seems, because again, it all seems so muddy and confusing and hard to kind of find your way through. But the bit that seemed kind of, that jumped out to me was the fact that, as you say, money was raised for your son's funeral, which you've never seen. And regardless of when this was raised, again, the fact that I've only just learned that this money was raised after he was already buried, so it's even more ludicrous. But even then, if that that could maybe have been some kind of error or mistake, there's often things after the fact where people are just passionate to try and support and raise money that... But the fact that you've never seen a penny of any of this seems, you know, cr- criminal. Man, it seems criminal. It's criminal. Not a, when I say not a dime, I never received not one dime. And, and I'm going to tell you why, sir. See, they can't pay a person that they know they wrong because, see, they told every, I mean, anybody that would, any ear that would listen to them, all walks of life, I was crazy. I'm a liar. I'm this. I'm that. First off, why would I lie about something like that? When it's bigger than the money to me, sir, it's bigger than the money. Yeah. It's the principle. You rob me, you slander, you defame my character, my son character. You got my lawyer to drop my case. Now I don't have a case. I'm just sitting out here with a dead son. You told other parents, you never even met my dead son before, but right before my son's death anniversary last year, you called other parents and told them that my son came to you and told you to keep speaking his name because I'm not, and that I wasn't a mother until he passed away. And you don't even know my son. So I'm like, what are you doing? Summons in my son? Because y'all ain't nothing. Y'all do voodoo. Y'all demons, bro. Y'all, y'all not for the people. Y'all mm-hmm. for yourself. You know, y'all try to make this fight be political because y'all be trying to run for the offices. And all y'all say y'all professors, but y'all the nutty professors to me because y'all not smart. Y'all said y'all wasn't accepting no money and all y'all donations. And the lawyers just caught y'all up because y'all so greedy. They they went in each one of their uh, donation sites and donated $1 to each one of them. And they so greedy, they bit. They accepted the $1. And that's why the DOJ is involved now. They've never had a 5013C. They funnel their money through other people's 5013Cs and make them their fiscal sponsor for the year. When they was robbing me, they was funneling their money through L.A. Can. I got right. receipts of check stubs of people sending Dr. Melina Abdullah check stubs, 2500 5000 3000 They've always had a hidden agenda ever since they came into this fight. And it's unfair. 
Patrice Cullors is buying houses and properties for her family that's still living off the blood and the death of our children that's not here no more. And she don't see nothing wrong with that. Sony Records, uh, Warner Brother Records gave her a million dollar movie deal for what? She's never had her boots on the ground. Mm. When you see people out there in the streets fighting nine times out of 10, them are the parents that lost their children and the community. It's never Black Lives Matter. They got their feet in a pedicure bowl and a computer on their lap and Twitter fingers. They don't have their boots on the ground. They don't come and stand in solidarity with us parents. This is what they tell the world so they can get paid for a job that they're not even doing, that they weren't even hired for. Yeah, and I think, again, it's it's that level of support. And again, I think in so many cases, goodwilled support, however it's ended up. It's that kind of thing that's the reason I feel it's important to amplify voices like yours in in this situation as best I can. Um, And it's not only you, Tamika Palmer, the mother of Breonna Taylor, Samaria Rice, the mother of Tamir Rice, and numerous others have felt exploited by Black Lives Matter and other kind of online activists who you feel have used the deaths of your children either to chase clout or to, in some cases, raise money that as you say, you've never seen. So, yeah, it's it's not ju- just you that, like, as you say, you're not the only one who's experienced this. This is right. This is multiple examples, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and they're not good examples. You know, I'm a firm believer. If, if I make a mistake, and if I could correct this mistake and make it better, I'm gonna try to do something different. They're making mistakes and they know they're making mistakes, and they're not trying to do anything different. They just keep making mistake after mistake because. They feel like that they put in the work. What work did you put in? First off, Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you no mother or father that's in this fight against police brutality, terrorism. Not one mother in this fight will tell you, oh, yeah, I hired Black Lives Matter to represent me and my dead loved one. No, y'all Amalams chasers. Wherever there's lights, cameras, action, that's where y'all at. A lot of these untold stories, sir, they don't come around. What I do is, when I had my event last year, I brought people to my event, mothers and fathers to my event that you don't get. They don't get no limelight from their stories. I want the police to cease fire. Black Lives Matter want the police to keep killing us. They haven't got no laws passed in no state that they have been in called they self-representing. They got laws passed for them and the people that they deal with. They're not here for these families. They're not even here for the people. They're here for self. All this money that they didn't raise, they haven't did nothing for not one community in Los Angeles, California. So Patrice Cullors, while you going around telling people all these fabricated stories, tell them the truth that half these mothers and fathers that lost their kids in Los Angeles have never met you, never seen Mm -hmm. your face. But you have a mural of yourself downtown Los Angeles and you still alive. I got a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. And and understandably, and the the defense that, has been put forward by Patrice and by others involved is that the attacks on them are driven by right-wing activists trying to besmirch their names and so on and so forth. And it's a tough one because there will be those people as well. Like some, there will be people who you would see as your enemies as well, who want you to continue to besmirch the name of of Black Lives Matter. Do you know what I mean? It's a complex one, right? There will be people on the wrong side of all of this who are delighted at the idea of kind of infighting as such, of of Black Lives Matter as a cause being dragged down. I guess, how do you approach 
that because it's a weird one. Obviously, your need for justice has to outweigh the awareness that there will be people who you don't want cheering you on as such. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. So like like I was saying, all I did was brought awareness to the people because I felt like me being a mother and I lost my kid by the police, why let the other mothers and fathers that's in the same area and realm that I'm in get took down by this entity and just be quiet about it? So I started bringing awareness to the people, letting them know that, hey, watch these people because they're not who they say they are. So by me doing that, they started attacking me by slandering and defaming my character, getting on all these uh, shows, saying that, calling me a right wing. I'm not a right wing. My name is Lisa Simpson. I'm a mother that's telling the truth about what I experienced with Black Lives Matter. And the experience wasn't a good experience. And a lot of people haven't experienced good things by them either. So it took six years. You know, I stayed consistent. I didn't let up. I got in the number one magazine in New York called The Intelligent. And that's what opened up the can of worms because nobody was listening to me because they got way more money than I got. Mm. And they was putting it out there to all walks of life that I was crazy, that I'm uh, lying. I was like, wow, it had been a different sir. Like, you know, Mike Brown, he asked for 20 million. I never asked for a dime because I kept telling them that it was bigger than the money. I actually just wanted them to get the limousines that they was offering all these families to turn against me to get in the limousines they self and drive off in the sunset because we don't need them in our fight anyway because they're doing more harm than good, period. Yeah. So so can you, to, to kind of wrap things up, can you tell me a few different things? I'd like to know about the events that you've put on in, in your community to, to, to be what Black Lives Matter like, hasn't been, you know. Has, has been. Okay, yeah. so two years ago I had, uh, I decided I wanted to do something for the homeless yeah. The homeless people. So I went out and I bought uh, 15 uh, backpacks. I got yeah. my son foundation name stitched on the backpacks. I put everything in a backpack that a homeless person would need. Toilet paper, soap, tissue, toothpaste, blanket, towels, yeah. deodorant, uh, shavers, uh, cough drops, masks, beanies. And I went to this homeless shelter and I gave it out to the men and women. I fed uh, seven families. For Thanksgiving, I sent yeah, each family $100. If I didn't cash app them, I went and bought the turkey and all the trimmers and dropped it off to them. I went in, uh, in the Wilmington Arms Projects uh, two Christmases ago and gave out uh, backpacks to unfortunate kids full of toys. By me doing what I was doing, I met this uh, one mother that was in a, a domestic violence situation, and they had her in a shelter, and they didn't want nobody to know where she was at. And she had five boys. So I talked to the people. I said, I know that they don't want nobody to know where she at. I said, but I just want to bless her and her family for Christmas. And I was homeless all this time that I'm doing this for other people because mm-hmm. I always feel like, you know, it's always somebody out there that's going through something worse than what you're going through. Yeah. So they told me that I couldn't come to their facility, but they let the lady meet me around the corner from the facility. And just to see the, the glow on all five of her son's faces that dang, somebody do care about is, you know, it's, yeah. it's all about, to me, it's about compassion and have a heart. We don't have no more compassionate people in this world no more. Everybody is heartless. You feel me? Like I tell a lot of people, oh, we need to vote. We need to vote. I said, well, you know what? Y'all be voting and voting only get these people's power. It don't give them a heart. You feel me? So you giving some powerful, heartless people these positions, and then you wondering why we doomed in this country. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. So, so looking at where we are now and and where you stand now, 
what case is it that's re- recently been dismissed? Was that a case against the LAPD or was that a case yeah, against... My, my son case against the LAPD. Yeah. Uh, Melina spoke with my attorney uh, last year. Uh, I kept wondering, he kept telling me, well, uh, why do you keep talking about Black Lives Matter? When you go to court, they're going to ask you about Black Lives Matter. I said, well, Black Lives Matter didn't kill my son, so what does that have to do with it? So uh, he said he talked to her, but he felt uncomfortable talking to her. But it was a conflict of interest because he already knew what I was going through with these people when he first became my attorney. This man was my attorney for almost four years. He dropped my case uh, last year in October. Uh, he didn't respond to me that the case had been the judge accepted him and dropped my case until November the 16th. I only had to December 13th to get new counsel. I found new counsel. March of the beginning of this month right here, they sent me a letter in the mail said that they denied every uh, motion that I put in. I couldn't get the counsel that I wanted. Then I got another letter on the 22nd. On March 17th, they decided to kick my son's whole case out with prejudice because I can't get an attorney because of what Black Lives Matter did to me and they boycotted me in my own state. Um, I talked to a lawyer before I had got the letter to try to get some legal representation so they can represent me on my son's death case. He asked me who my attorney was, my previous attorney was, and I told him that it was Justin Palmer. And he said, well, that's my homeboy, so I can't take your case. So I'm stuck out here without an attorney. So LAPD is about to get away with killing my 18-year-old son. And the officer that shot my son, he admitted to shooting 40 shots out his volley. So I can't understand why Black Lives Matter would want to try to stop me from getting justice for my dead son because I spoke out about them robbing me for the death of my son. I mean, it's it's just unimaginable. As we touched upon at the start, there's there's, it, there's so much g- going on in the world in general at the moment, and then I can't even imagine the intensity of the fight that you've had with these continual hurdles. So I guess, what is your current outlook? Is there a current plan? What's the next... Like, what's the aim at the moment, I guess? Well, well, I'm going to just keep it real with you, sir. The next, I'm taking everybody down. Y'all, it's, it's to, it, it isn't got to the point to where I'm the only mother that's been in this whole fight that has uh, endured all the uh, pain, the heartache, the unnecessary BS, just because that I was truthful, because I spoke out about some wrongdoing that an entity that felt like that they were going to be global. They were going to be bigger than themselves. Mm. And they got mad because I started bringing awareness. I, I, I never shut up. I stay consistent because you can't keep telling people that I'm crazy and I have a dead son. And if I was crazy, who wouldn't be crazy after the police shot 75, 70 shots at their kid and their kid took 35 for running? Who wouldn't be crazy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my heart is absolutely with you on this. There's so much that feels like it needs explanation and addressing. And everywhere I've looked, I've not seen any sign of that. And you won't. They won't show transparency, baby. They yeah. never going to show transparency because, see, if they show transparency, then it'll show that they're liars, bro. And they don't want to be... If they if they paid me for all the money that they raised off my dead son, how would everybody look at them? Because for six years, they've been telling everybody I'm crazy, I'm a liar. Mm. And she could they could have fixed this in the beginning. I was down with them because I didn't know, I didn't have the knowledge on who they was and I would have shared the money with them. But mm. y'all just robbed me like that and, and had the people send y'all money for a false narrative. I buried my son on August the 12th. We had this interview 19 days after. So how did I need y'all to bury him when he was already buried and dead in the wall and no funeral home 
in the United States of America gonna let you make payments on a burial. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it seems unimaginable and yeah, completely inexplicable. So I, I, I just I appreciate you taking the time, um, and I appreciate you you coming on here to to explain and 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 tell your story. So yeah, thank you for coming and chatting. I appreciate you having me, baby. Yeah, I had to I had to come holla at y'all so y'all could stop letting that uh that lady come over there with them false narratives. She's not accessible. Now she's crying, talking about everybody's against her. But look what you did. Do you think you're supposed to get uh some brownie points for robbing the people, period? Like, how do you buy a house for your brother that's still alive? And y'all, I could have even respected the game if they would have bought a property, apartment building. And okay, this is going to be for the people that's homeless, that after they lose their children by the police, they got somewhere to stay. Sure. None of that. Every action, every step, every move, everything they did was for self. It was never for the people. It was for, for themselves. So I felt like whatever their agenda was before they got in this fight, talk about they fighting for the death of our children. That's what they should have been working on. And they shouldn't have never crossed the boundaries or came into our fight because they knew out out the gate that they weren't genuine people. They knew they were crooks when they first came in this fight. It was an opportunity. And that's what they did. They took advantage of the opportunity. And now that the people, they woke up and they see like, hey, wait a minute, this entity right here, they doing too much. Now she want to go everywhere and cry. You wasn't crying when you was buying them $4 million houses. You wasn't crying at all. Because it was the property purchases through Black Lives Matter that kind of brought a lot of attention to to possible injustices there. I wasn't, that was the the first bit of real kind of documented, right, there's something not quite right here, right? Mm -hmm. And that just opened everything up, I guess. And they did it to themselves because I felt like you was trying to brag, like, yeah, y'all lost y'all kids and I took that money and bought me and my family a whole bunch of properties. Come on now. How do you look? First off, you're not even from Los Angeles, California. You're from the Valley. So you came to the city to start up a, a movement and you don't even deal with none of the people in the city. You came out false flagging in the beginning. That shit is just sad. And they need to go on and get up out this fight. I want them to go to jail. I'm pushing for them to go to jail. I got their first box for them. I want to know what's their flavored noodles. Because I'm going ma- to make sure I send them their first box. I'm going to get them some tennis shoes and some socks. Because it'd be cold inside the jails. It's too late to apologize. It's not right. It's not fair. Y'all done already did all the damage. It ain't no, you can keep your sorries because we all know that y'all sorry. You can stop crying, talk about, oh, everybody's against you. But when you was against everybody, it was okay. But now that the shoe is on the other foot, you crying, you need help. You want everybody to feel sorry for you. Not this time, Patrice. You're going to go to jail. And I already know that you're not going to go by yourself. You're going to take everybody down with you because you're scary, period. But you wasn't scary, though, when you got all that money. Oh, you was a happy camper. Now that the the uh, the heel is uh, breaking down, now you want to go on all these different uh, news channels. Oh, everybody turned their back on me. Oh, where am I going to go? To jail. That's where you're going. Yeah, and you're going to have a good time yeah. while you're there, yeah. period. Well, again, I appreciate you taking the time and... Yeah, I wish you some kind of of a resolution in all of this because it seems like it's been a long and unpleasant six-year-old that continues. Yeah, Yeah. and I can't stop because if I stop, I got four other children that I got to fight for. So I'm in this for the long haul, sir. This is my life now. I don't even have a life because this is my life. Trying to get the police to cease fire because I'm fighting for all denominations of all children because they are our future, bro. 
And it's it's sad how they just killing us and getting away with it. No repercussions, no nothing. Yeah. Well, I feel you and I appreciate your time and your and your fight. Stay stay well and, and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you for chatting. Love you guys, London. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was that was Lisa Simpson. I want to thank Miss Simpson for for giving me her time and for sharing a really deep and painful story and, you know, seemingly appropriate grievances. It's complex though, right? It's complex because, again, the wrong people can weaponize, you know, these kind of things to tear down all the good that can be done or has been done and things like that. But um, we still need to be, we still need to scrutinize even that which we believe in and that which we support. And if people within those movements and those ideals or indeed at the forefront of those movements or ideals, if they're moving inappropriately, then that needs to be noticed and identified under such scrutiny. Heavy subject, right? Heavy subject, but it's one that's important. It's a hell of an important one. Um, Again, I want to thank Gerard for for hooking this up. I want to thank Miss Simpson for her time and her honestness and her rawness. This is this has been a raw episode. This has been an impassioned episode, you know. You will have heard. I shut the fuck up an awful a lot in this episode, but still I wanted to jump in and make sure to kind of try and pick my way through some of the the nuances of this because to give greater understanding, to make this not just a platform, here you go, here's the thing, to kind of try and understand it for myself with you guys. So yeah, I hope it's done that. I hope it's shed some light. As I've said, since we recorded this, this has kind of been a news story that's blowing up all over the place and that's good because as we mentioned, there's a lot of, of, of of families and of people who feel they've not been treated appropriately in this situation or the deaths of their loved ones, you know, have been exploited. Yeah, it's a weird one, you know. It, and, and as I said, it's not only Miss Simpson, the mother of Richard Risha, it's the mother of uh, Tamir Rice, also feels things haven't necessarily gone the right way Samaria Rice yeah there's numerous parents Tamika Palmer the 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 mother of Bjorna Taylor who was killed murdered in a police raid at her home has also been speaking out on these these subjects and these voices need to be heard it's a mad one and it's a complex one it's a mad one and it's a complex one but um hopefully the more we can give platform to these voices and these arguments, the more we can kind of unpick it all and figure it all out. I'm sorry if these intros and outros have been a bit rambling on this one, but it's a, it's something I'm still trying to get my head around. As said, I think, as you will hear on the episode I did, and I encourage you to go and, and, and listen to that still, the episode with Patrice Coulouse. I think we discuss a lot of the genuine good that has been done by Black Lives Matter. And the inaccurate attacks 
But that doesn't mean that we can ignore what's being discussed here and that this shouldn't be addressed and people shouldn't be held accountable and, you know, explain themselves. So, yeah, interesting one to take into the weekend, right? I hope you all enjoyed it. And please share this around. Tell people about this. I'll be back next week as usual. You know I'm always here with more podcasts for your ears. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.